Welcome to the Wisconsin Wrestler Podcast with your co-hosts Teague Benwick and Steve Lurkwood. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Wisconsin Wrestler Podcast. I am your host, Teague Fenwick, alongside my co-host, Steve Lurkwin. Steve, glad to have you. As always, great to be here. Pumped to be here. Uh, excited for this. I know we're just over halfway through our sectional previews, and I'm ecstatic for our guest today, man. <laughs> same, same here. Same here. And we've just been flying through these previews. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about Northwest Wisconsin wrestling. And now we're now we're getting to Milwaukee area schools. So it's been going by fast, but it's been a great time. But uh, yeah, before we get into things uh, we do have to introduce our guest today. He was the head coach at Whitefish Bay uh, for 10 years. Uh, he's now the self-labeled uh, director of operations for the Whitefish Bay co-op. And he's also the host of his own podcast, The Average Cheese, uh, spelled the AVG Cheese. Um, talk about none other than Dale Lobel. Dale, glad to have you on, man. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I just got to say that we had to spell it AVG Cheese because we don't even know how to spell average. That's how <laughs> average we are. <laughs> so you're less than average speller is what you're saying. Absolutely. I couldn't call it the less than average cheese podcast because you know that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Doesn't have quite as good of a ring to it. <laughs> Dale, did they have uh, spelling bees when you were in school? Actually, I was a pretty good speller. Were you really? I, yeah. I, you I know what word I spelled wrong in the eighth grade spelling bee? Which, What's that? To people who know me, think this is kind of funny. Vandalism. Huh? I spelled vandalism wrong. I probably could spell it right today, but don't ask me. That that hurts. I remember like three of the four words I got wrong in my spelling bees in middle school. So it's funny, funny how that bees. stuff sticks with you a little bit. <laughs> spelling bees are like public humili- humiliations, like stand up and let's see who the idiots are in the class. I mean, come on. Right. Then, then, then farewell on those. Hey, I, uh, I got up in front of the school, went to spell enjoyed. I said E N G and by then it's too late. So you can't go back and correct yourself. I was the first one out and I thought I was the odds on favorite too, man. That was, it was crushing. <laughs> right. Well, spelling, All that confidence. Spelling, spelling bees and wrestling, man. They're a lot alike. How did we get there? <laughs> <laughs> People are going to tune into the show for the first time and try, be like, all right, what's, what's going on? Why is what's this title on? the way? It what is? are they even talking about right now? That's right. <laughs> That's just as a wrestling podcast. So for the spelling B fans out there, glad we could uh, wet the whistle a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll get into the wrestling part of this podcast. Now, the first regional that we'll be talking about is the Nicolay regional. And uh, there's not a whole lot of movement in either of these regionals. Uh, We're talking about sectional F tonight. Uh, Pretty much. It's a combination of teams that wrestled in either the West Bend or not West Bend West, the West Dallas central regional or the Nicolay regional last year. So I'll make sure to specify where those teams wrestled last year. Uh, But the first team that we're talking about is Brown Deer, Mesmer, Shorewood. They did not wrestle at regionals last year, but it looks like looking at some tournament results, uh, they do do have 13 people who body fatted coming back. And just by the looks at looking at the tournament results, guys, I think it's just a bit of a program building right now. I would say, yeah. I mean, they did wrestle at conference in the Woodland Conference. I think they took 
they didn't, I don't know if they took last in the conference, but they did wrestle, you know, Brown Deer used to be the back half of a Milwaukee Vincent co-op. So now they're on the front end. Uh, Shorewood used to be with Riverside and Mesmer, as far as I know, hasn't had a program. So it's nice at least that Mesmer is now represented in wrestling, but yeah, it's a problem of numbers there. Um, you know, who knows? They had three kids wrestle at conference and, uh, you know, sometimes things just happen that way. Yeah. It's better to build and, you know, build for the next year rather than take your kids. And the last thing they remember from the year is just going on and getting throttled. That's not the way to go. But I did see on the 8th of, of January in 2020, they had 10 wrestlers. They lost to cut a 36, 35. The match actually ended tied 36, 36, but, uh, there was an unsportsmanlike conduct. So they, you know, they got the, they got the numbers and now they, you know, just got to keep growing from there. I think one thing we learned from talking to all these coaches to you is that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day <laughs> for a lot of great programs. So, you know, I hope in 10 years we're talking about this team as a powerhouse. Same here. Next, the next team that we have up is Homestead. They are one of the newcomers to this sectional. They wrestled in the West Bend West Regional and they took third there with 177 points. They were turning 13 of their starters and 168 of those points. They'll be led by state qualifier Alec Perlstein, who qualified at 220, sectional place winner Guy Tamman, and seven other sectional qualifiers. Yeah, it's it just exciting. You know, they wrestle in the North Shore with us. Um, I talked to Ernie the other day because I wanted to get some information on his team before I came on the podcast. And sometimes it's just a matter of, 14 guys weight, you know, 14 weight classes being filled is a big deal. Uh, they took seventh in the North shore, but they brought 14 kids to the conference tournament. And for a lot of teams, uh, that's a huge deal, right? They're going to get better. Their kids, their young guys live at the North shore, AWA. Nice. So because it's in their backyard, they've got a lot of kids going there. They've got a couple of new, a uh, couple of young guys coming up including Ernie's son, Charlie, who is going to be tough. He's a 138, 145-pounder, somewhere in there. Uh, he went 6-1 and one at the Dells Duels they just had. Was it last weekend or the weekend before? Um, he's tough, and he loves wrestling. You know, he's one of those kids that he just he loves it. He loves everything about it, and that kid's going to get considerably better. I want to say he took Connor Thorpe. To like 11-6, Connor Thorpe, who we'll probably talk about later when we get to Brook East, to, to a decision. And as an incoming freshman, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah, he's tough. They also have a kid named Jonah Stammer who's going to come in uh, around the 126-pound range who will probably start for them. Yeah, T, you mentioned Alex uh, Alec Perlstein. I hope I said that name right. Uh, at 220 pounds, do we guys, here's a question. I don't know. Do we, uh, I know in college they call the blood, the, it's called the blood round, the round to win. Do we call that in high school? Is that, uh, is that transferable or we, we I, I don't hear pretty much the blood round. Yeah. Yes. Blood round. Yep. Well, he lost in that blood round to, to get a medal. Obviously he's, he's coming back. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like they got a lot of good stuff going. I like that they have, you know, 13 to 14 and you're exactly right. Sometimes getting things going, it's the, it's the numbers. So. They went uh, up to the, um, I'm sorry, I just cut you off. They went no, up you're to good. the West Bend sectional. They were up north, but they have historically been in this sectional. They'd just been on the other re- side of the regional. This is the first time since I started at Bay in 2006 that Homestead is actually on this side of the sectional. 
No, you didn't cut me off. I was going to, you know, Teague and I sometimes do trivia and I, I don't, uh, I, I'm going to start right away with it. It's not even a trivia question because Teague, I know you'll never get it, but it's more of a FYI or kind of interesting tidbit of uh, knowledge here. Uh, 107 pounds, the only 107 pound state champion ever because they had it one year in 1970, then got rid of it the next year, but uh, Holman state champ, Dennis Quinlan. So just a little tidbit of tidbit of knowledge for you uh, that I like to throw out. Holden Dennis State Quinlan from Homestead. Oh, State. did I say Holman? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Holman Homestead. You know, I get I get Evansville and and uh, what's the other <laughs> Ellsworth? El- Ellsworth, Evansville and Ellsworth. I'm screwed up all the time. I just have one more thing about Homestead. Dennis Quinlan comes down and officiates their tournament every year, and Ernie makes sure to say that Dennis Quinlan, the state champion from Homestead, is officiating in their scramble every year. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. You can tell him he's the only 107-pound state champ ever for the state of Wisconsin. That's awesome. The next team that we have here, uh, they seem to be a mainstay in the regional and sectional title race, at least in these past few years here. Uh, Menominee Falls, they finished third in the West Allis Central Regional with 176 points. They return nine of their 12 stars and 150 points. They do lose Ethan Porgerzelski, who plays sixth at 126, but they returned four state qualifiers and Ben Cowes, who qualified at 113, 132 pound qualifier, Bryce Staus, Brayden Rose now at 152, and Patrick Lynch at 160. And guys, I just have to assume that there must have been some not great luck at the end of the season because usually you see Menominee Falls fielding a full 14 at the end of the year. Yeah, that is unusual. They they have a pretty strong kids program, and it is unusual to see them with less than 14 weights. They took fourth in the greater Metro, which is kind of low for them also, and I think it was because they didn't have the amount of weights filled that they usually do. I wonder, though, because they I think they had a bigger lineup for regionals. I wonder if they bounced their lineup around because Ben Kaus wrestled in the conference tournament at 106 and then ended up going to state at 113. So I, I don't know if they did that to fill bodies and see if they could get into the team regional or how that went. But yeah, he was a 106 pounder at conference and then went to state at 113. Interesting. Next team that we have up here is um, Milwaukee Lutheran, who finished seventh in the West Dallas Central Regional with 56 points. And uh, there's an, an interesting spot right now. They uh, do lose all of their regional stars from last year. Steve, I know you look a little more at everyone who body fatted in general, so you might have a better picture of that. But, yeah, I just saw that they lost their regional starters from last year. Yeah, but I saw a deal with this. these guys. You know, they lost all the regional guys, but uh, their skin fold last year, assuming they have all those guys coming back, they have 15 guys that skin fold. So uh, and Damian Joy is one of those top returners. They have come back either 152, 160 pounds. You know, they used to be in our conference. Milwaukee Lutheran used to be in our conference. And uh, John Muhlendijk was there coaching for a while. I don't know if he's there. I tried to reach out to him to see what was going on. One of the things that they struggle with, and I'm sure it's all private schools in the state, but especially in the city, is there is absolutely no feeder. You know, they are going to get kids from wherever they get kids from. And in the city, you just don't know. Like, you know, there aren't kids. There's city kids, right, wrestling club, but you don't know where they're going. And and usually those kids go to city conference schools. Um, I didn't hear back from John, but they had a state qualifier in 2019. 
which isn't all that long ago. I mean, so they, they've had some good kids and they had some momentum at some time. At one point they had pretty good momentum going. And I don't know if John is still there. Uh, that kid came back too. I think he graduated, like you said though, but he lost, he was almost a two timer. He lost in the, uh, in ultimate tie break in the uh, wrestle back to go to state last year. Yeah. With no feeder program like that, you're getting kids mainly in their freshman year and you're developing them. So if they're, if they're developing those kids, you know, kudos to them. Keep on yeah. building. Another thing, and I, I know I talk way too much, but no, you're good, man. Keep it, going. It, should be, it should be interesting because MPS right now is all virtual, right? Like we're not going to school in MPS right now. And we've seen a big influx of well, outflux. That's not even a word, but words, kids leaving the district to go to private schools. Mm. And I wonder if that will actually bolster Milwaukee Lutheran's number as a, a private school in Milwaukee that is probably going to school five days a week. They might have more kids. I mean, might have a bigger enrollment and they might have more wrestlers. I don't know. That'll be an interesting thing to keep track of for sure. Next team that we have here is Milwaukee Madison Vincent The co-op finished eighth in the West Dallas central regional and kind of seems like they're in the same situation as Lutheran right now. They do lose their lone senior starter in Tramel Perry. Yeah. And Dale, they same thing with uh, Milwaukee Lutheran. They did skin full quite a few. They had 18 that skin full, you know, skin full the last year. So hopefully they have all 18 of those guys back. Yeah. It's tough to, you know, the coaching in the city. If I say something negative about city wrestling during this podcast, I just want to let you know that I think coaches in the city are awesome. The amount of things that they have to do just to put a team on the mat every week is awesome. So I apologize if it sounds negative, but Milwaukee, Madison, Vincent. So Vincent, like I said before, Vincent was the front end of a co-op and now they're the back end of a co-op. Uh, Madison also had a state qualifier in 2019. So it's not like they don't have talent and I don't know who's coaching there right now. Jordan Roberts was coaching there back in the day. Uh, a couple of years ago. And if he's around, he's great. He's great with kids and he knows good technique. Uh, you know, the problem that all city schools are going to run into is wrestling is not what we do in the city, right? Mm-hmm. The city of Milwaukee is, is not a hotbed, even though there's a lot of kids with talent here, there isn't a historical, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just not there for kids, but uh, Madison to be positive, even though they took ninth in the city, the city conference, three of their four kids were freshmen that wrestled mm-hmm. in the city conference tournament. So there's at least that to look up to. Well, it's, you're exactly right. It's, it's basketball first there. And in fact, you know, forgive me for mentioning the round ball sport, but I did look up and Vincent, think about this. I mean, this is what, what a lot of those kids have to look, look for. And this is amazing. When you think about it, Milwaukee Vincent has six NBA players in school history that have played at Milwaukee Vincent. So, you know, I get it. They see that and they want, that's what they want to, that's what they want to emulate. I, on a side note, too, I got to tell you, um, you know, we're talking about the Milwaukee schools. I refed. I mean, this was late, late 2000s. I mean, several years ago, obviously, but I refed a match. Milwaukee Vincent came all the way to Deerfield, Wisconsin. If you guys know where Deerfield, <laughs> Wisconsin, but and but they were uh, great kids, respectful kids. They had a full team, and it was a it was a pretty good it was a pretty good match. But I just remember them. They're hardworking kids, and they got after it. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the problems also in this city is they wrestle in two divisions. They divide their conference for duels into to halves. It's the haves and the have nots. It's not called that, but it's the really good teams and the teams who aren't so good. 
which leaves them a lot of openings in their schedule. So not only do they not have, you know, they, they got to find tournaments and duels. Usually we have seven duels. It's in your conference. You don't have to worry about duels because every year you wrestle in those, they have to go out and find duels with teams who are like them in numbers and talent, but they also have to find people with openings in their schedule. So it's, it's tough in the city. Mm-hmm. It's tough to find things. Next team that we have up here is Milwaukee Marshall, Carmen Northwest. The co-op finished six in the Nicolay regional with 99 points. They return at seven of their starters and they'll be led by returning sectional qualifiers. Adama can Brandon Williams and Quentin Thornton. Uh, I was talking to, I sent a message out to Ben Tomes. Ben Tomes was the coach there. He was, Oh, he he's coaching there. No way. Well, he was. And oh, I wasn't gotcha. sure. So he was working in the building. I was super excited for the Carmen Marshall co-op for a while because Ben was there and, you know, he was at Custer when Custer. Yeah. He revolutionized that program, man. That was great. Absolutely. And it was going to be him and Tony Smith, Travis's dad, Travis Smith's dad. We're going to coach. We're coaching there together like a city conference dream team of coaches. And I'm not sure what happened. I don't know if Tony is going to be there or not. I, I, I don't know how that went, but Ben is no longer teaching at Carmen, which is a real shame because that kid, that guy, that kid, that guy will have kids run through the wall for him. Yep. And wherever he goes, he won. You know what I mean? Like he has put out talent and unfortunately he's not going to be back at Carmen Northwest. Carmen Northwest is a charter like instrumentality school. So mm-hmm. if they were sort of the front end. I'm not sure that they'll, I don't know who they'll have coaching. I hope it's Tony Smith because he's awesome. Yeah, he, he you're right. Um, Custer, he took over, man. He just And he told me he's always in the hallways just constantly, hey, these are my kids. These are my kids. And you got so many kids out for that program. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. I did see awesome. Milwaukee Marshall as far as numbers go. And in 2019, they qualified 11 for sectionals. So obviously they got a, a good base there and, you know, they'll find it again. I hope so. Uh, the second to last team that we have up in this regional is the host themselves, Nicolay, and they were the runner ups at the regional last year with 234 and a half points. They were turning at 10 of their starters. They'll be led by uh, returning state qualifiers, Aaron Johnson at 120, Luke Lewandowski at 132, Matt Koisel at 138, and Braden Ott at 145. And Nicolay, it just seems the past few years, they've just gotten this close to just breaking through winning a regional title. They, they always have a good solid team and they have a good core coming back this year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can break through this year. Well, and Dale, before you add on to that too, I know they had the four state qualifiers that are coming back. Uh, they returned 10 to sectionals, but they also had two guys, uh, 126 pounds, Marcelo Cantor, I believe I'm saying this, hopefully I'm saying your name right, bud. And then Julian Connor is at 182. Both those guys had Russell backs to go to state. So they got the four coming back and the two that were right there. They got a good base. They do. They really do have a good base. I was going to say that they were really close to having six state qualifiers. And they also have a kid at 106. He's one of those, uh, I think his name is Dylan Lewandowski. I think it's, I'm sure he's related to the other one. He was a really small 106 pounder, right? He's one of those kids that, you know, could eat 18 cheeseburgers before weigh-ins and still not make 106. If he's back at 106 and can fill out the weight class, I think he won like 24, 25 matches last year. He's also a threat to do something in our sectional. 
coming forward. They also get uh, Braden Ott's little brother, Ben, mm. who will be a mm. freshman this year, maybe around 152 or so. And they always, they have a very good kids club and a very good kids program there. Uh, Jeremy Ott brought that up. They, they have a huge amount of coaches uh, that work that program. And I probably shouldn't admit this on a podcast, but we actually send a couple of our kids over there to their kids club because it's so well run and they do such as a long as they come back. Right. <laughs> right. They better not move. <laughs> SAT, ACT scores in the state at Whitefish Bay. That's what we always say. That's, you know, that's why they stay at Bay, not go to that. <laughs> well, you mentioned the odds. Uh, I didn't know about Ben, but Brain not. He was another one. We talk, you know, talked about the blood round. He lost in that medal round. And, you know, speaking of Jeremy, uh, I wrestled close to him in, in high school. Chilton was just down the road from where I grew up. And he was a state champ, a couple times place winner at state, but he was also an All-American at Parkside. So, yeah, definitely. He, um, I know he was – Jeremy was at Brown Deer for a little while coaching, kind of got things cranking there and obviously trans, you know, transferred over. But, you know, that guy and his coaching staff, uh, no wonder why they're on the rise. Yeah, Gus Kaufman is the head coach there. He's a great dude. Like, we're cousin programs. We actually tried to co-op with them. So when we started the co-op with USM, we actually tried to start to move over to Nicolay before we ended up as the top half of our own co-op. Also, uh, Nicolay, I want to. I might try to start a little debate here after we talk about the next school. Nicolay, home to one of the better, like purely offensive wrestlers that I've seen in the last few years, uh, Parker Kekison. That guy, dude, once he got in on your leg, he just got a hold of you. It was it was game over. I was announcing the finals match his junior year versus Kalen Yan of Holman. And, you know, I, I announced the match without bias, but he <laughs> ended up winning. The, he ended up winning at 23 to eight. But I think you can, like, hear the pain in my voice near the end <laughs> of that match. I just like I was running out of, like, adjectives to use for how dominant he looked on offense and that that dude attacking was crazy, but he might have some competition and another graduate in the competing regional school here. We'll we'll talk about that right Did, now. But well, Parker, uh, he went to uh, uh, UNI, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Both nice. Dejan and Parker are now at UNI together. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's good stuff. Parker was Parker was that spark. You know what I mean? Like some programs have state qualifiers and state place winners often. Uh, schools like, I don't want to say schools like us, but I'm going to include Nicolay and Bay in the same sentence right there. We need that spark, right? We need a kid to show the rest of the kids that a kid from Nicolay can go win a state title. They can go place at state so that when the next kid coming up, he sees that, right? And if it's never been done at your school or it hasn't been done since like the seventies before the kids were, you know, before their parents were born, it's that's huge. And I think that's really done wonders for their program and, and for us too. And speaking of you guys, you are the next school up and the last school in this regional. So uh, Whitefish Bay Dominican University School of Milwaukee co-op finished seventh in the regional with 96 points return three of their starters and 22 of those points. Uh, we did talk about them a little bit already, but they do lose Dejan Johnson, two time state champ and Connor Dyke, who qualified for state at 152. But returning a couple of sectional qualifiers in Andres Pesh and Ari Mates. I hope I pronounced that. It's always the kids of the, like the people I have on that I think I pronounce wrong. But Perfect. You nailed it. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about Johnson here in a sec, but we'll talk about uh, the team that you have coming up here first, Dale. 
Yeah, it's going to be young guys, right? We, we are going to be extremely young. Our two sectional qualifiers, both freshmen, yeah, we graduated almost every point that we had. I mean, I'm very excited for Dejan. I mean, he was the bell cow, right? It was Dejan and the rest of the guys. We got Connor Dyke to state, which was very exciting. First kid in USM schools history because we were the, you know, that was the first, when we joined them in co-op, that was the first year they had ever had a program in their mm-hmm. school history. So Connor Dyke was a, a first qualifier for them. That was super exciting. Um, putting kids in a state tournament is what we do. I mean, I don't know that that's going to happen this year. We're going to really stretch for that, but, but we've had 15 state qualifiers in the last 10 years. So it's, it's not out of the ordinary, but when Dejan placed and then when he was a state champ, that was the next step for our program. Well, you guys nailed it. Uh, you know, Dale, you were talking about it earlier. You know, Caden Reitz, we talked about him in the different podcasts as well for Madison Memorial. He can be that for the Madison area as well. And then you talk about, you know, the two gentlemen we already, we already, you know, we're talking about now and then have spoke. That's what ignites a program. You, you bet. Other kids see that. And, and then that's what they want to emulate. I, did, I need to mention, too, that we have a brand new coach this year, but we have actually a brand new coaching staff, which I'm super excited about. So Brandon Dillner is our head coach. Um, he is he works in the district, which is huge. It's the first time we've had that since I've been around because I wasn't in the district. We That's also big. hired uh, two assistants, Rashadim Gray, who was a three-time state qualifier for us and went on to play football at UNI. And then Luke Davey is another assistant we're going to have. He wrestled for me. He was in my first class. He was a freshman in 2006 when I started with the program and he played uh, division one soccer. So we, we have athletes and we have people that can relate to kids. They're great with people. I'm super excited for the direction. I mean, 2020 is not going to be our year, but we're going to build and I'm super excited for that. Yeah. And I think um, I just want to say this the wrestlers listening to this are gonna be like, what the heck? Why would you say that about like, I think all the coaches could agree. I would love to see a drill match between Johnson and Kekison because, you know, obviously Keegan O'Toole, um, best all around wrestler I might have ever seen, but you talk about prolific on offense, being aggressive, knowing their shots and like knowing a shot's coming and not being able to defend it. Johnson and Kekison might be two of the most prolific pure offensive wrestlers that I've seen. And to watch a drill match between those two, I would absolutely love to see that. <laughs> and Dale, that do you get all the time, right? At the AWA North Shore. I mean, they I'm sure they worked out together constantly. Those two made each other better for sure. I would have loved to have been in that room just to watch them wrestle too. Um, oh my God, live goes. That's, <laughs> that's crazy to think about. <laughs> Dale, uh, I know that you're not as young as springtime anymore, but did you ever get on the mat or do you kind of, do you coach from a chair and vo- vocalize your coaching with Dejan or do have you get on the mat with him a couple of times? <laughs> so when he was in eighth grade, when he was in our room and when he was a freshman and I was still in the room, I would wrestle with him, but I'm smart, Steve. I mean, yeah, it's not my first rodeo. <laughs> the only time I would go with Dejan when I was in the room would be like that 30 second go. And I knew that that was the only 30 second go I was going to have to be in for, yep. you know, cause you can stall for 30 seconds and try to get your last shot in and with three or four seconds left, you know, I mean, that's, that's the old man strategy. If you haven't learned that yet, Steve, cause you're no, not. It's, yet. 
Yeah. Hey, you want to know what? There's a certain wisdom that comes, you know, kind of like that old man strength they talk about. There's this old man wisdom that comes and I get you. Yeah. I gassed after like 28 seconds. So I felt like, so I, I think I went with him twice last year and it was 30 seconds and I may or may not have gotten taken down 13 or 14 times. In that. <laughs> Even with the stalling strategy. That's right. I know. And I'm running around the room in circles. He still could take me down. It's ridiculous. Also, you know, it's I, funny. Oh, sorry, Steve, you go, you go. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, as a coach, you're, you're recruiting these kids and you, especially you see these big, massive heavyweights and you're like, man, I want that kid in my program. But then on the backside, you start thinking like, I got to start recruiting a younger coach because I'm not wrestling with that guy. You think? Yeah. I weigh 160 pounds, but I'm only five foot three. So <laughs> still wrestling with the heavyweights bad. When I was much younger, I still thought I could do that. Right. Like That's right. Oh, I can wrestle with anybody. These, these kids are high school kids. <laughs> yeah. And I tore my hip socket wrestling with 189 pounder like eight years ago, but I still haven't, I'm still not much smarter. I'm just older. So. so I got to ask you just cause it was a rare situation that we saw this year for the state finals. Um, how did Dejan feel about getting a forfeit in the state finals? And I, and I just want to say, I definitely think he's a gamer. He's a competitor. And I'm sure like there was probably a little bit of being upset because it makes it a little tough. If you win a finals match by four, because I'm sure a lot of people thought that that was a match that he was going to win too. But I think for him, you probably want to go out there and prove it on the mat, you know? So I just want to know, like, do you, what were his thoughts when he found out he was getting a forfeit? He was disappointed, right? I always said this about Dejan, and I hope it continues into his college career. The lights were never too bright for him. When the lights would go bright, he was just awesome out there. He was amazing when the lights were bright. I never really felt, even when he was a freshman, I never felt like it was too big for him. Like he was never, he was nervous. Probably everybody gets nervous when they wrestle. Right. But it was never too big for him. And I, I was so disappointed for him that he couldn't wrestle because that kid, the kid from Toma, I'm sure he's great. And I'm sure he's a really nice kid, but we thought for sure we were going to win that match. And we wanted to wrestle that match. Shoot. I was ready. I didn't get to sit in the chair as a junior, when he was a junior, and I was ready. I had my suit on, hadn't put that sucker on in like 20 years. I popped a button, but I was ready. I was ready to wear my suit. I so disappointed for him. And, it, he wasn't and it's able to tough play. too, because both of those guys are very much earned the right to wrestle that Saturday night. It was just unfortunate what happened to Fritchie too. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I'm, I'm thankful for him in a certain way that it didn't happen. It happened really late in that match. Like he mm -hmm. finished that match. So it must yep. have happened within the last, I don't know, 20 seconds or something like that, where he broke it and he gutted it out. That's pretty awesome. Really? That is. Yeah. It shows how, how, how far people are willing to go to succeed in this sport. It's right. It's, it's definitely a sad story, but also at the end of the day, he, he gutted out 20 seconds with a bad injury. Mm-hmm for a chance to be in the state finals, whether he wrestled or not, but that was, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. That was, that's awesome. But that brings us to the regionals here so, or the regional prediction. So I don't know if you listened to the last, or I guess never mind. the last podcast didn't even release yet that we recorded. So Dale, we are introducing a coin now because um, Steve and I don't know who likes going first or second more. So we're just, we flip a coin to determine who makes the first pick. 
And, and it's an pick, app because I'm a millennial. On, I was picking on Teague before because I said, you know, Teague's, Teague's obviously a little bit younger than we are. But, uh, <laughs> could be you know, back in our day, we fl- actually flipped a coin. And, and this new generation, he's flipping a coin on his phone. He's got an app on his phone. So nice. I'll tell you what, technology, man. That's very hey, funny. You know, funny. You, if you have a coin, I don't trust myself to catch a physical coin. So if you want to flip that one, Dale, I'm head Steve is tails. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here it goes. I know it's an audio podcast, but I'm about to flip it. Here it goes. It's not a head. It's <laughs> so it's tails. I got to go first. Huh? Yep. Dang it. This is, this is a tough one. I, you know, we've had some regionals that are pretty easy and this one, you know, I was I was kind of looking at the numbers of of three different teams. Um, yeah, we talked about all of them, obviously. But my pick, they're returning ten. They got uh, four to state, and I think two that were right there. And I just think I just think they're a team on the rise. I think they're good. They're trending. You know, you talk about trending. They're trending in the right direction. I'm gonna go with Nicolay. Yeah, that was. I think I think we're on the same page here that there's three teams that we were looking at, especially with the information that Dale gave us too about a couple of incoming freshmen. Um, Nicolay was definitely one of those three teams. I think Menominee falls uh, just once you become a mainstay and the regional sectional picture, you kind of tend to keep staying on that frame. So I have Menominee falls there as well, but this Homestead team is really interesting to me, bringing back all their starters, moving to a different sectional that can change an outlook for a team. And I, I would have to give this one to Homestead, but yeah, that's, that's my pick there for this regional. Does the guest get a pick or no? Um, <laughs> if it's, we, no. Okay. It's cool. We, we haven't yet, but we, you know we what? haven't we, let guests pick, but if you want to give an objective take on the situation, I would love right. to hear Go ahead. It. Well, I'm not going to say it's going to be Whitefish Bay, so it, it will be objective. I think that Homestead is a year away. I think that they are going to win this regional if things stay the same at some point. But I think it's still Nicolay. I think Nicolay is going to finally end up winning a regional, get to wrestle in the team sectional to go to state. And either way, that's going to be fun. When you can get more than two teams in that regional race, then there's so many factors that play into it. Yeah. So, yeah, you get to be a part of that day, coach. That should be fun stuff. I do asterisk if it happens, but we're <laughs> right. It's got to be positive. It's going to happen. <laughs> that brings us to the next regional, the Brookfield central regional. And we're talking about the host first here, uh, Brookfield central. They finished fifth in the West Dallas central regional with 130 points. They returned four of their stars and 63 of those points. They do lose state qualifier, Tommy Maurice, who qualified at 182. But they returned Ben Otto and Frederick Kyles, who qualified for state at 160 and 220, and also sectional qualifier Kai Shake. Yeah, the only what I know uh, Brookfield Central wrestled one of our guys down at the state tournament. Um, I'm sorry, Brookfield. What did I just say? Frederick Kyles wrestled our guy. You know, I, I like to throw out my words. You know, call teams <laughs> the wrong name. Homestead, Holman, whatever. Uh, but 220 pound Frederick Kyles, he was, uh, he's going to come back. He's a solid, solid kid. And he was, he, he lost in that blood round too. He was one match from taking home a medal. So can't wait to see what he does this coming year. I don't have a ton on Brook Central. Um, I do know that 
they have a club out by them. Tommy Gersheski. I'm sure I'm butchering that name, even though I should know it by now. He was in our room for a while. He was a D3 national qualifier at Whitewater. He's got some kind of like wrestling thing going on out there. And I know that they were partnered with Brooks Central. And Tommy's a super dude that would bring in a million kids. So if that is continuing, I'm not sure, you know, with COVID and all that, how that's gone. But those kids would get in work with, a, you know, a high level college wrestler. And that can only make them better. The next team that we have up here is the other Brookfield school, Brookfield East. They won the West Alice Central Regional with 215 points. We'll talk about how close that regional was a little later, but uh, they beat Wisconsin Luther in 38 to 30 at team sectionals. They lost McGuanago 55 to 21 at team state, and they return 11 of their starters from that team. They do lose Nate O'Connell, who qualified at 195, and John Champy, who placed sixth at heavyweight. But they return Aiden Crowley at 106, Brett Skaug, who qualified at 120, and Connor Thorpe, who placed third at 138 behind Mitch Messenbrink and Jalen Spuler. First of all, individually, Connor Thorpe, probably one of the better wrestlers returning this year. I got to watch him wrestle. That dude is just talented. It seems like he has a motor, motor on him that just doesn't stop. And as a team uh, coming in as an eight seed, I think 55 to 21 against a deep McGuanago team that has good wrestlers at every single weight. That's, that's a great way to end the season. And they're bringing back 11 stars from that team. Brookfield East, they can, they can be dangerous this year. And, and Dale, take it away here. I mean, you see, you see these guys more often, but I, this is, this is what I love to see is, you know, you get to the state tournament. A lot of times you see those repeat teams, same team, same team year after year. And, and I love it when a new team breaks the rank and gets down there at Brookfield East first time at team state, because, and that's a trendsetter. That's a, Hey, now that now the rest of the guys, now they're, tradition or their history or the kids coming up say man we're going to come there next time we go we're going to win first round we're going to win second round we're going to place i think this was huge for their program absolutely it's just like i was talking about with parker kekheis and, and nicolay you know putting that spark for kids them going to team state is huge absolutely they have a really nice program i mean they've really built that up they have a great middle school team too they wrestle in one of the better how do I say this? One of the better organizer, better, better, well-run middle school conferences in, I would say in the state, it's, it's amazing. It's called the Milwaukee area conference where they, if you look at it, if you look that up on track wrestling, the Milwaukee area conference, it's like a who, if you look to the past years, it's like a who's who of state qualifiers and state place winners. And they, they really build things like they build from within, you know, you don't know anything about them. And all of a sudden here they are. I have a kind of an interesting story about uh, the 106-pounder, Aiden Crowley. Aiden Crowley took fourth at conference and then qualified for the state. Wow. Yeah, crazy. So Kaus from Falls took third. He went up to 113. Crowley wrestled the kid from Hale, who also made it to state. But the kid who won the conference tournament did not even make it into wow. he wrestled at sectionals, but he lost his first mass at sectionals. So oh, what wow. guy was he what guy was he out of regional? What what was he first, second, third, fourth out of you know the regional to go to sectional? I think Crowley won the regional on he that. Did. Yeah, I want to say that he did because Kaus who beat him at conference went up to 13 and I think he won it. Yeah, I don't know that for sure. But I thought it was interesting that the kid who won the conference tournament 
you know, didn't make it to state, but the kid who took fourth in the conference tournament did. You know, it's just how it goes sometimes. They also had two kids losing the blood round or in the wrestleback. So they could add seven qualifiers. Wow. They're tough. The next team that we have up here is uh, Marquette University, who placed fourth in the Nicolet Regional with 109 points. They returned eight of their starters. Uh, they'll be led by Jaden Prom, who qualified at 113, and Liam Hughes, who qualified for state at 126. And uh, Marquette, I just got to say about Marquette, they're kind of that, uh, kind of remind me of a slinger, Steve, where when I did their team shout out, on that's on our social media. Uh, I was shocked to find that they didn't have a state champ, especially like I looked at all their, like I looked at, like I went on their social media and saw like the people that won the most matches for them. I think they had a really good guy at 220 a couple years ago. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Grayek, who ended up wrestling in college mm-hmm. and Grayek was just in a couple of just, gut wrenching brackets. I went all the way back. Cause I was like, how did Greg not win? Like, I'm pretty sure this guy did good on the national level, but Marquette, one of those schools you can just depend on. seems like you're going to have one or two hammers a year. Yeah. I think Liam Hughes is a multiple time state qualifier, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot on them. I, we don't see them ever, ever. We used to go to their tournament, but we don't anymore. And because they're in the greater Metro. We, we just don't see him. I'm sorry. I don't have much for them. No, that's what I had is uh 138 pound Noah. And for, forgive me if I'm saying this wrong. I, I can't read my writing, but Noah Poston, 138 pounds, took third at sectional. So he was one match away. Um, but just to build on that, uh, uh, Dale and Teague, you're absolutely right. I, I am floored. We're doing the shout outs and I'm floored. You, you look at the state champs, what a school has, and you think, oh man, they have so many of them and they have one or two, or they don't have any. And we we've hit it so, on so many different podcasts, but winning state is hard you know you, you can be a fan uh, an amazing wrestler and not win state and i'm just i'm floored at what schools don't have state champs and you know like you talked about grayhawk i remember him year after year and i'm like what he wasn't a state champ you're absolutely right it's a it's a tough game wrestling's a tough game yeah um, we'll be looking at milwaukee king next year who finished third in the nicolay regional with 126 points they return at seven of their stars and 58 of those points. They do lose sectional place winners, Elisha Powell and Torian Jackson, but they have five sectional qualifiers returning. They, uh, they also put 14 kids in the conference tournament. If that's a, a miracle in the city to have 14 kids, I fill every weight class at, at the city conference tournament. I, hats off to Dave and the job that they do at King. Because like I said before, wrestling is not king in the city. In fact, they had a state qualifier a couple years ago at heavyweight. And because I work for MPS, the first thing I did was go to the MPS website to see if, you know, like we're going to see this. Because when the basketball teams go to state, that goes front page of our website, right? Mm -hmm. So I waited a day, nothing, no mention. So I sent a nasty email to, you know, the powers that be in the tech department at MPS. I'm like, Hey, King had a state qualifier. So they probably don't remember this every year, but every year I beat up on the tech department. Like, Hey, you need to put this out there. Like, it's not the only thing we do in this city is 
you know, we don't just play basketball. We also wrestle. And especially a kid that coming from a program like King or any of the city schools, they need recognition. That's right. important than any kid. So, yeah. Yeah. I just think, you know, talking about that, it's, I'm not ragging on basketball. I, I root for kids to be successful in any sport. Cause I think that's awesome for them, but it's just, it's statistically rare to see teams be good at both basketball and wrestling throughout the state. Like, right. I mean, when we talked to Justin Lancaster, see, we were able to list freedom and Kakana as teams that were like top 10 in the state in wrestling and basketball. And there might be a few more if you go out and do the stats, but there's not many, right? There's just, there's not a lot of schools where you can be great at both sports, but it's, it takes a lot of work to be able to do that. And a lot of cooperation as well. For sure. Uh, the next team that we have here is Milwaukee Riverside uh, Golden Meyer, who uh, placed fifth in the Nicolay regional with 101 points. They return seven of their starters and also have five sectional qualifiers returning just like Milwaukee King. I thought I was like repeating a team there for a second, to be honest, but no. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they return Robert Nora at heavyweight. Nora was 17 and one going into the sectional and lost to the kid from Milwaukee Lutheran Adende. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm saying that name right or not. Adende was the state qualifier from Lutheran the year before. So that's a tough first round match, right? You're mm-hmm. 17 and one. You have aspirations to make it to state. Your first round match is against a kid who was at state the year before. And I think Adende ended up losing in the, in the wrestle back or something to go for third. So that, you know, that was a, that's a tough first round match for a kid like that. Yeah. Ladende did lose. Oh, wow. He lost an ultimate tiebreaker in the second place match. Yep. You're quick on those uh, flipping pages over there, Teague. I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I try my best, man. <laughs> I I try to thrive in the chaos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm uh, looking at next year. We have, uh... oh, speaking of that, I scrolled up too far. So jinx myself on there. <laughs> Don't get great. Milwaukee <laughs> oh, Washington. The yeah. longest co-op name. In... Go ahead. Yes. Hit them all. Milwaukee, Washington, Collegiate Academy Languages, Obama SCTE, which I did look up what SCTE stood for one time, but I don't have that memorized off the top of my head. But they placed eighth in the Nicolay regional with 27 points. They return up three of their starters. And uh, one of those starters is sectional qualifier Romero Valdez. Yeah. I doing a little history dig and I'm Milwaukee, Washington. Here's, here's something for you. 21 state champs in school history. Check this one out, Dale hall of fame coach, Bob Spacuza coach there. Guess what program here's here's your trivia question, Dale. What, what, uh, powerhouse state program did Bob Spacuza start before going to Milwaukee, Washington? Well, I know he actually finished up at Hamilton. He was helping out like as a legend at Hamilton. I'm going to guess it was a city school. I will say um, Milwaukee South Division. Can nope. we can we get like one one hint that narrows things down? <laughs> um, we had one of the coaches Coleman on. Nope. He was, he was, uh, he, in 1957, I, from what I got, he was there for one year, uh, maybe, maybe a couple more, but just said he was there for one year in 1957. He started the Vikings of Stoughton. 
wow. their program. Isn't that crazy? And then moved to Milwaukee, Washington. But uh, yeah, crazy, huh? I mean, I was looking through 21 state champs, great history there. And then uh, another thing, we were talking a little bit about this off the air. Milwaukee, Washington is home to the first ever state champion heavyweight in the state of Wisconsin. But here's, here's the thing. Now, hopefully people can fact check me on this, but in 1941, the state champ was under two, uh, under 200 pounds. So, so heavyweight was 200 pounds and under that was, so it was like, Hey, I'm at heavyweight, but you got to be under 200 pounds. <laughs> really? I guess you could say it was a 200 pound weight class. Uh, but then in 1948, then it went to, uh, then it went to 19, I'm sorry. then it went to, uh, unlimited. So crazy. Bob Spicuza was a legend. I mean, he was around, so I wrestled in the 80s at Muskego, and Washington was pretty good in the 80s. They had a kid named Keith Lee, little little kid, wrestled like 112, something like that. There, there are names that I've forgotten, but they were really good still into the 80s. And Bob Spacuza was the reason, right? He was the reason they were good. He, w- he willed kids to win. My favorite thing about Sp- Bob Spacuza, which I clearly can't say correctly, <laughs> is he, him and his assistant would always yell, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he would yell that. Those guys would yell that over and over. I apologize for not knowing what the assistant's name. But I was just going to say, who's his assistant coach? Because I might have heard that. They were both about the same age. Yeah. They were awesome guys. And they were they would just yell that over and over. And they had Bob Spacuza had that booming voice, right? Yeah. Where you'd be anywhere in the gym and it would be, you can't do that. Would he follow that up with, you've got to move? Did he say that at all, or was it just, you can't do that? That's the only one I remember, man. Because that's, that's what sticks in my head with this coach. Maybe maybe they were talking about two different guys. <laughs> you've got to move. I don't know. I always say yeah. that's not a move. <laughs> <laughs> you say a lot of things, Dale. I do. Do you still have that shirt, Steve? I know I'm really taking us off on a tangent. Do you have that shirt? Were you around when I had the d Lobel School of Wrestling? It had all my sayings on it? Do I, do I have, do you gave me one? I thought, I thought that was, no, you didn't give me one of those. Hey, just for, I know we're going offside here, but Dale and I coached for one year. I was student teacher at Waukesha North 1998. So Dale and I have a little history together. Memories. Yeah. (laughs) My, 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 a lot of great memories at North, but one big one was when you guys would once a year, I guess you guys would take Gatorade jugs of water and throw them all over the mats and we'd have a slip and slide practice. We'd slide back and forth. That was, that was good times. It's good coaching. Good coaching. That's right. Yeah. I might need to uh, edit out the part where Dale says there's a shirt with uh, all his quotes on it because that could happen with our podcast sooner rather than later, apparently. You want that. You want that. <laughs> I still have my uh, Walkshaw North sweatshirt, so my son, I guess crewnecks have come back in style. He stole them all out of my closet. He's like, oh, dad, these are, these are, um, what do you call those? Not retro, but these are, uh, I don't know, use some kid word Vintage. nowadays. He's like, man. Vintage. Yeah, these are vintage. Yeah. I'm like, well, whatever. Just means you're old, brother. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice way of saying it. Yeah. Sorry, man. Oh, whoops. (laughs) Sorry, I was I was gonna get us back on track here, but if we want to keep going, we'll we'll get back to the road eventually. (laughs) Wabatosa West East or East West. (laughs) Tosa West. They practice at West, so I okay that comes first. So Get this, uh, Wauwatosa Westies, before I go into their stats, um, finished second in the West Dallas Conference Regional, 
lost to Brookfield East by one point. And it kind of reminds me of, I'm going to open the yearbook. I try to do this at least once an episode, but uh, when we made to team state in 2013, we beat Sparta by six and a half points. And it came down to like one or two matches that flipped things at regionals. And I saw a Sparta guy a couple of years later, we ended up being friends. He said, we looked at ourselves as equals to you guys. It was all because of like one dumb call or whatever. I was like, that's great that you looked at yourselves as equals, but we were the ones who actually made it there in the end. So <laughs> I guess that's the way it goes. And I have to wonder if you're the Wauwatosa guys, seeing Brookfield East make it all the way to team state, that's and losing them by one point. That's, that's just gotta be a different feeling, man. That's and uh, it looks like they're bringing a lot back this year too. So I would love to see their wrestling room this year in terms of just the attitude, but they bring back 12 starters and 183 of those points. They do lose state qualifier, Ben Acker, but they're returning the state qualifier, Christian Bayer, who qualified at 145, Simon Doyle, who qualified at 182 and Shaquille Harrell, who qualified at heavyweight. Yeah, they always seem to reload kids. They fill weight classes. Kent, Corey, and all those guys on that coaching staff, they they pull kids. I, I don't know how they do it. And it's not a co-op thing. You know what I mean? It's not because they have Tosa East on the back end of their co-op. It's because they pull kids. They're super guys. They clearly do things because they seem to have kids in the state tournament every year. And, man, when we were good, like when we were when we had our best teams in like 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, they were on our side of the regional and they always beat us. Always. We could never get over. They won the regional probably five or six years in a row when they were in the Nicolay side of this sectional. Yeah, you mentioned uh, they're a tough team. I, I'll, I'll give a few stats later on because they might be in one of my uh, – um, top two picks that I'm going to be making. So a little bit of foreshadowing, obviously, but you talked about Christian Bayer returning state qualifier, 145 pounds. Get this guys. His first two rounds. This is who he has at state Ganos and model. So yeah, a little bit, you know what? You look at that two ways, man, you know, that was a terrible draw, not much of a chance to medal, but I tell you what, that kid, is there anything bigger? I mean, he, he can't wrestle anything better next year when he qualifies for state again, he's going to be battle tested and ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when the, you're, you as a coach says, Hey, but you got two matches. That's right. Yeah. Well, that hey, we get the, you might not even have two matches. Cause that quarterfinals match was so close too. That's true. Right. And uh, the last team here, Wisconsin Lutheran, uh, this team just brings all sorts of storylines. First of all, this year they move into a regional where uh, they go, they're facing off against another regional champ from last year. So that opens the door for a new regional champ on the other side. Um, but uh, this is like the curious case of Wisconsin Lutheran last year. They won the Nicolay regional with 261 and a half points. Don't get anyone through to the state tournament. They had 13 guys, I think, competing at sectionals, had three guys get third. And you think, like, if you see that, like, before the team sectionals, you think, all right, these guys had to have gotten pounded. They lost 38 to 30 against Brookfield East. That's just, 
I did, that's one of the more interesting like team result lines I've seen <laughs> throughout all these previews. It's it's yeah. it's crazy. I think that if anything, it speaks to their depth there. Very much. And, and Dale, you've been coaching a long time. I mean, I've, I've been coached as long as you, as far as um, specific, I took a few years off to it, but that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough thing. You know, when you're, you're that good, you win your regional and you're expecting to get those guys to state. Do you just chalk that up as a coach? Or is it just in the kids? You say, Hey, you're just one of those days. We're going to get back at it next year. I mean, how, what, it, what, give me your perspective on that one. Not for me, man, that would burn me until November 21st or whenever the season started again, you know, sometimes kids get on a roll and, and momentum plays a big part because these are high school kids, right. And yep. they, they're emotional and Brookfield East in the sectional, it was like this wave of momentum that they were carrying. Right. And then maybe it was the opposite for Wisco, you know, maybe a kid lost that they didn't expect to lose in a first round and it just started to go downhill from there. Carried over. Yeah. Cause you know, you have those kids who you think this kid has a legitimate shot of making it to state and maybe they get caught on their back or they lose a match and everybody on the team feels it, you know, and I don't know how it was, but yeah, they blasted everybody at the regional. Right. Like you said, Teague, they won by almost 30. So it wasn't close and having almost every kid, right? 13 or 14 kids qualify for sectionals and have none make it to state that that hurts. I, 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 oh, man. I think cause not to not to mention the individual sectional in a negative light, but I know Wisco Luton for I've been closely following like the last 10 years of wrestling or so last 10, 11 years. And um, I remember 2014 or 15, they were one or two points away from winning the team state title. And I think they have a really great team culture. We wrestled them at a team camp a few years ago, and I, it could be one of those deals where they get up for regionals because the team titles on the line, they get up for team sectionals and then at individual sectionals, it, sometimes it's a little bit harder to get going. If you, sometimes the team mentality is so strong, it can't hurt you on an individual tournament basis. That's true. And Dale, you nailed it too. I, I've been in those situations as well when you're at sectionals and, and I've been there. You, you get a couple guys that lose at sectionals and those kids that are warming up those next matches and they're watching, you can see them. You can almost feel like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, Joe, Joe, Joe blow just lost and man, he's our stud. And I've grabbed kids and got them out of the gym. Like, Hey, you go warm up over here and I will come get you, <laughs> you know, and maybe mm-hmm. something like that happened. Yeah. Stop watching, stop watching yep. these matches. Cause they don't, they shouldn't be affecting what you do on the mat. Both of you make really good points there. I know that as a coach, you know, you look back and retrospect on how your season went. And sometimes you say the way we trained and the, uh, and mentality we had was for conference or for regionals. And then when that happens, like you said, Teague, then all of a sudden things go South because that goal has already been accomplished or not. And there's nothing past that. Now we're, now we're just wrestling. And yeah, a team like Wisco, who is in the running for a team state berth, yes, maybe that was it. We're going to win the regional here, and we're going to see what happens. And yeah, and sectionals and the individual stuff kind of took an aside. That that's very possible. But their uh, their team this year, I think it looks like they're. I'll give credit to whoever's building their program over there because they've really done a great job of getting themselves onto the map. They were turning ten starters from that team. Uh, they did have uh, three guys who played third sectionals, as I said. A couple of those returners who got third, uh, Cohen Hen and Isaiah Flores, are going to be uh, 
a couple of those guys coming back. And that's another team, Steve and Teague, that doesn't have a feeder. So that so that's a lot. Yeah, credit to those coaches and that coaching staff because you are building a program of freshmen. And I do know that their wrestling coaches coach football, and they do pull kids out of the you know off the football field and into their room because they're great guys, and clearly kids want to wrestle for them. And they do have kids that wrestle in the offseason. I'm not saying that they don't, but there's no middle school program for them. They don't have they don't have a feeder middle school program like like we do or like a lot of teams do. They're right. a lot of times they're building those kids up from scratch and they do a really good job over there. Wow, that's amazing. And that is that is it for uh, the teams in uh, this region also. Uh, Dale, you got your trusty coin with you. I do. I got plenty because it's this is my swear jar quarters for our podcast. So I've oh, got that's like right. twenty of them here. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing good. I didn't cuss <laughs> once. Yeah, proud of you, bud. I'm proud of me too. <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Here goes. I'm flipping it. I am sorry. It's all. It's tails again. Are you serious? Yes. Show me this coin. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> coin. <laughs> Can't even see it. Yeah. It's a real double sided coin. Two sided <laughs> tails coin. Yeah. You didn't ask me if it was. Yeah, it's a double sided coin. It's tails on both sides. You lose. Yeah. Well, um, this, both these regionals pretty tough. I mean, I, I think it's a three team race. Um, I think it's a three team race, but I'm going to talk about two teams. I, I think Wisconsin Lutheran's a very good team. I was kind of looking at the numbers, but I think they're kind of outside looking in. I wouldn't be surprised if they came in ready to go and won it, but I'm going to call them the outside looking in team. Um, so that takes us down to Brookfield East and Wauwatosa West East. Um, you know, here's here's the number. I was looking. Brookfield East has uh, 11 starters returning, eight sectional qualifiers, four state. Wauwatosa West has 12, 12 starters coming back. All 12 went to sectionals, and they have three state qualifiers. Those numbers, if you look at them, are pretty even. But here was, here was the third degree I went to. I went to track wrestling for the, the body fat test, and I counted up Wauwatosa West East, and they have 40 guys coming back you talked about numbers dale they have 40 guys just returning that's not including the ones coming in i'm like oh that's gonna be my pick and then i saw i saw brookfield east they have 35 guys coming back not including so it's like you'd look at those and that's kind of a wash depending on where they where they went with and then i just went back on t you know you and i've talked about it numerous times you know we talked about that Kadat team uh that i think just you know is just frothing at the mouth we talked about the ellsworth team uh, that lost last year and they the, that that group ended the streak of what is it like 18 in a row something like that trips going to state and i just think it's mo- momentum and motivator and that's all they're thinking about it and that's why my pick is wawatosa west east they lost by one point last year and they just got to be going like man you know everywhere they go like we are we are taking it this year so my pick is a, a totally not numbers pick i mean based on it because i think brookfield west east, or i'm sorry brookfield east and wawatosa line up very even as far as numbers, but I just think emotionally that's, you know, Wabatosa West East is, is going to be the winner. Yeah. I think um, you, you said it a little bit already with Wabatosa for motivation. I do think um, Wisco will be in there, but at the end of the day, it will be Brookfield East and Tosa that kind of break away at the end. And you brought up Tosa already. I do think it is a case of momentum versus motivation. If you're the Brookfield East guys and you can be like, wow, going to team state, that was fun. That was awesome, man. And even you kind of got to ground yourselves a little bit and say, all right, we did lose by 34 there, so we can definitely improve. But getting to team state was great. Let's do whatever we can to get back there and keep this thing rolling. 
um, versus like you said, the motivation, like those Tosa guys are mad. This is why, you know, things kind of, I would have loved to have seen if things were like perfect training wise this summer, you know, because I would have loved to have seen how those two teams reacted to a situation where one little point completely affected the rest of their season. But, um, Brookfield East, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I just liked, they just kind of popped out out of nowhere. And I think they earned a lot of respect for themselves in the wrestling world. And, um, maybe there, there could be a little bit of bias and just kind of rooting for that to happen still, but I'm going to give the edge to Brookfield East and that. So, um, we got separate, uh, team sectional picks Dale. I know you're not afraid to give the commentary on. So I guess I'd like to hear what you have to say too. <laughs> I am not afraid to talk. <laughs> you're good at it oh you gotta be good at something um so i think that it, you're absolutely both of you are absolutely right it is going to be a tosa brook east those are the two top teams i think in this regional i think wisco has the numbers and they may surprise but i think it's between tosa and brook east and i think when it comes down to those two teams i think brook east has more big point scorers you know, they've got Connor Thorpe, who's going to tech fall or pin his way through the sectional, probably. Aiden Crowley coming back at 106. If he doesn't grow it to too big, I, I, he's a big point scorer, too. Uh, I just think that in the end, Brook East will have those bonus point wins in the tournament, and, and they'll come out on top. So you have Nicolay versus Brookfield East as your team sectional, correct? That's correct. All right, so we all have three different team sectional matchups. Get get that coin out one more time, Dale. Okay, here goes. Oh, oh, it's heads this time. Nice heads. All right, so I I get to start off. Yep, I got um, Homestead versus Brookfield East here. Um, I would say, and you kind of brought this up already, Dale. That um, if anything, next year is going to be Homestead year in the regional. Um, taking that jump from being good at regionals to being good at team sectionals is a jump that not a lot of teams can make right away. And I think especially if it does end up, whether it's against Brookfield East or Tosa, that's a tough matchup for them. And I think especially if it's my pick, if it's against Brookfield East, you have a team that's ready. You have a, you know, you have a coach that's been in that situation as well. Um, I think that'll end up playing to the advantage, but uh, I give it to Brookfield East, but it'll be a great learning experience for Homestead, and I think it'll make them a scary team for two years down the road. Oh, am I up, or, or is Dale going? It doesn't matter to me. I'll go. Yeah, why don't you flip? Flip. I'll be <laughs> tails and your heads. Go okay. ahead. It's heads. Stuck on it. Heads. All right. All right. Heads, I lose. Um, you know, I think that whoever came out of that regional with Brook East and Tosa. Tosa is a great dual team because they have such depth. They can play games with their lineup. I mean, Brookies too, to a certain extent, but I would say Tosa can put high level kids in there, like high level JV kids in there and monkey with their lineup. So I think Tosa, if they got to the team sectional would have a great chance of winning it. Um, But, and I love Gus. I love you, Gus, but I just don't, I don't think Nicolay has the depth in their dual lineup. I think they are a better tournament team and they'll win the regional, but I don't think that when it all comes down to it, that they can beat Brook East in a duel. So unfortunately I would love to see Gus go to state. I'll be, I'll wear some Nicolay blue, but 
I don't think it's going to happen. Nice. Well, that's up to me. Wow, we're going to – this is this is kind of fun. I like having the coaches pick here a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll just – we'll only let Dale pick. No other coaches can pick. This is just called the Dale effect right here. <laughs> we, I'm we, an only child, Steve. I do what I want. That's right. We've, we've had some awesome coaches can, on here. Just some great personalities. And What's that? I, I feel that as the only child vibe. Wow. <laughs> only child. Working with a couple spoiled guys here a little bit. <laughs> um, no, I I hear everything you guys are saying. Uh, I got I got Nicolay and Tosa. Um, I just and there's so much there. I'm gonna make my pick. It, it's it's tough. This is a tough sectional. I mean, I've never seen one so tough with three different options at each regional. And then now, you know, obviously we have, have a whole bunch of different cho- choices. I just think it's a team on the rise. I think it's a team ready to take that next step. Um, Gus, I don't know Gus, but I know one of their coaches and I know he's just an intense dude. And I know that there's no, Hey, next year's a growing year, those type of things. And, and uh, my boy that I kind of grew up with in Jeremy Ott. And I just think that uh, Nicolay is going to make that jump just like Brookfield East did last year. And they were first time, uh, team state participants. Nicolay is going to get their first team state appearance in 2021. And guys, just looking at you know the combinations that like there's there's a lot of iterations of duels that can happen at team sectionals that I would love to see out of this section. I mean, we have three different ones between us, and I would love to see all three of those. And there's plenty more combinations where that comes from because a lot can happen in a season, especially this one, but. Either way, this is shaping out to be a, another fun regional and sectional. But that's that's what we got for this preview. First of all, I want to say, uh, Dale. Uh, first, Jason uh, Luloff complimented us on going out of our way and making picks. We don't have to go out and compete against these guys unless it's Holman or Ford Atkinson based. So we never like not let coaches make the picks, but we figure the coaches wouldn't do that. But props to you, man, for <laughs> like you said, you you like to talk, and if you're if you're not afraid of the consequences of the other coaches, then I yeah, props to you for coming out and making the picks. We appreciate that coach's insight. Thanks. But I'm not smart enough to not say things. I guess that's <laughs> <laughs> really what it comes down to. There there is that perspective, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, not only for making the picks, but thank you for coming on as well. We love the the insight that you provide and just the experience that you have in the world of wrestling. Um, it's good stuff to hear. You're able to provide something positive for every team. So that was awesome. We appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you having me on. I, I really had a great time. You can have me on whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and uh, Dale, we'll let you give a little shout out again to your, uh, your podcast you do. And I've listened to it a couple of two of them so far and they're pretty darn good, but you know, I just got to make a comment on uh, the community of wrestling um, Dale and I obviously have a history. We, we've known each other for in 1998, but you know we haven't seen each other. We've seen each other off and on, a couple tournaments here, there, JV tournament, and it's like, you know, this is how awesome the wrestling community is. It's like we've known each other <laughs> for 20 some years now, yeah. and we've seen each other all the time, and it's like it's like a brotherhood in the sport. And I just love it. You come on, and we're just shucking and jiving like we've we've never that never like, stopped hanging out. So yeah, it, it is awesome. I, I love the brotherhood of wrestling. I really do. Mm-hmm. You know, I say it all the time. Like when we're coaching against each other, I'm only going to hate you for this next hour and thirty minutes during this duel, and then let's go have sodas together. You know what I mean? Because then we're then we're done. I'll hate you till then, and then we're good. I mean, I, that's right. I, I love people in the wrestling world. I really do. 
we're all we're all in it you know if it's for the right reason we're all in it for the same thing you know we're trying to grow good young men and women so that's that's a big part of it but yeah that's dale if you want to plug your podcast i guess for my compliment on it i listened to like half almost full episode first of all great packer insight i think it's a great local podcast um second of all if you want to teach your kids about budgeting and saving money get an empty jar have them put a penny a quarter a dollar every time you hear a swear word on the podcast and don't touch that jar until they turn 18 and they will be sitting pretty. I will say that much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we did. Um, so our, our podcast is called the average cheese, AVG cheese is uh, you can find it. If you AVG cheese on the internet, you will find it. It's pretty simple. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcast. We're on all of them. And, you know, it was just a thing where my buddy and I got tired of texting each other during the draft and during the games. And we said, we might as well just make a podcast. And and that's what it's been. And it's been so much fun. It, and he's from out east, right? If I heard right. Well, my friend Todd wrestled at Muskego with us. Yeah. Um, and then he was actually living in Hawaii when we started this. His wife works for the government. So he was living in Hawaii and doing podcasts from there. And then he moved to Virginia like halfway through the season, you know, like a, maybe a month and a half ago. So now he's living near DC. So yeah, it's really throwing a wrench in things though, because when he was five hours behind, it was great because his kids would leave for school and then he'd have the rest of the day because he works from home. Well, now it's on, he's on the East coast and it just throws everything off. But yeah, we put a quarter in the swear. Every time we swear, we put a quarter in the jar for the leukemia lymphoma society we also take all of our anchor ad revenue, which is a penny per listen. So please, if you you know feel like listening, go out and listen and, and do something good for people. But those pennies aren't enough. Uh, we have a friend of a friend whose daughter died of leukemia as a teenager. And uh, yeah, so we do it for that. Um, we throw a quarter in the jar, sometimes more than others. Uh, if you go back and listen to some, please don't listen to it at work, people. Or unless yeah, you got headphones on. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's it. And I appreciate you letting me plug in it. Um, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, Steve, I think that's uh, about that time that we wrap things up here. Thank you all for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and have a good night. <laughs>